Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of Quick Take, and uh, it's funny, I recorded the uh, the last one this past uh, Wednesday, and I had a few uh, interesting things to go over, um, and then um, the next day, uh, Apple releases new updated MacBook Pros, so uh, that's always the way it is, right? You know, it'd be great if they could have waited, uh, if they could have you know, done that the day before, um, but they've done it, and uh, you know, this is one of those things that... Um, we were kind of wanting to see if uh, at this year's Worldwide Developers Conference, if Apple would release updated MacBook Pros. But uh, in recent years, that has tended to be more of a software-focused event. And so we thought, well, maybe it's going to be fall before the new MacBook Pros dropped. And Apple uh, kind of surprised us all by dropping it uh, this past uh, Thursday here in late July 2018. And uh, I'm going to start by just kind of reading through the Apple uh, press release um, because it does a good job of kind of summarizing uh, what's new in the latest MacBook Pros, then we'll dive into a little bit of analysis about it. It says, uh, Apple today updated MacBook Pro with faster performance and new Pro features, making it the most advanced Mac notebook ever. Of course, they always say that, but I mean, it is true every time too. The new MacBook Pro models with Touch Bar feature 8th generation Intel Core processors with 6-core on the 15-inch model for up to 70% faster performance and quad-core on the 13-inch model for up to two times faster performance. Uh, ideal for manipulating large data sets, performing complex simulations, creating multi-track audio projects, or doing advanced image processing or film editing. Uh, let's see. Already the most popular notebook for developers around the world, the new MacBook Pro can compile code faster and run multiple virtual machines and test environments easier than before. Additional updates include support for up to 32 gigabytes of memory, a true tone display, and an improved third-generation keyboard for quieter typing. And with its powerful Radeon Pro graphics, large force touch trackpad, revolutionary touch bar and touch ID, dynamic stereo speakers, quiet Apple design cooling system and Thunderbolt 3 for data transfer, charging and connecting up to two 5K displays or four external GPUs. It's the fastest pro notebook. The latest generation MacBook Pro is the fastest and most powerful notebook we've ever made, said Philip Schiller, Apple's senior vice president of worldwide marketing. Now with eighth generation six core processors, up to 32 gigabytes of system memory, up to four terabytes of super fast SSD storage, new True Tone technology, and, it, and it's Retina display and Touch Bar, and the T2. Let's see, I'm getting my tongue getting tongue tied here. The Apple T2 chip for enhanced security and a quieter. Okay, so again, blah, blah. Um, some of this is just a repeat. Looking through here to see if there's any other thing I want to mention. Uh, just around that T2 chip. I'll go to the paragraph that talks about that. Also new to MacBook Pro is the Apple T2 chip, first introduced in iMac Pro. With the Apple T2 chip, MacBook Pro now delivers enhanced system security with support for secure boot and on-the-fly encrypted storage and also brings Hey Siri to the Mac for the first time. Um, cool. So a few things in here. One, again, this podcast was born uh, right around the time that Apple introduced the redesigned MacBook Pro at the end of 2016, which is the first time that we got the touch bar and the four USB-C ports. And, um, and so... It's always fun to revisit new Mac introductions, particularly the MacBook Pro, just because of the context in which I first started doing Quick Take. But, you know, and we've talked about this a bunch on the show, but going back to that time, again, Apple was in um, a really interesting place with the Mac where they hadn't updated um, very many of the Mac models for quite a bit. It had been a couple of years between revisions of the MacBook Pro. Uh, it had been years between revisions of the Mac Mini and years between revisions of the Mac Pro. And so a lot of people were... Um, understandably asking the question about is Apple still committed to the Mac platform? And then they introduced the 
the the Retina MacBook Pro with Touch Bar in uh, late 2016, um, and um, I think Apple really thought that that was going to calm some of those concerns, but instead, uh, a lot of people reacted negatively to a whole bunch of things about it, including the touch bar, uh, the keyboard and, uh, the port situation. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, Apple is still kind of having to combat that narrative from some quarters of the Apple fan base about whether or not they're still committed to the Mac platform, including doing that in a pretty big way at, uh, WWDC this year. Um, but one of the things that I said at the time, you know, how, one of the big ways that Apple can show that it's still committed to the Mac is to, um, you know, uh, continue to provide regular uh, speed bump updates to the MacBook Pro and other models. You know, so this is the kind of thing where Apple really can't let two years go by between updates to any of its main Mac product lines. Um, and, we, and, and, you know, to Apple's credit, they've done a really good job with that so far with the MacBook Pro specifically. Of course, they had that radical redesign in late 2016. And then last summer, they updated the MacBook Pro with a 2017 speed bump revision. And uh, this update now in 2018, just just a teeny bit over a year later from the MacBook Pro uh, update, um, was uh, was a much bigger update than the one last year even. Of course, we're getting a newer generation of Intel processors, uh, including uh, up to the i9. Uh, processor now in the MacBook Pro. We're getting up to 32 gigabytes of RAM. We've got that new T2 chip. We've got the True Tone display. So we've got the new, uh, the, the third generation keyboards they're calling it. So a whole bunch of stuff in this update. And so it, it it's always, it, it, it's frankly head scratching that some people are still not seeing this as a big deal or poo-pooing it. But the Apple Eeyore community, which is that, uh, which is the kind of name that I've given to uh, a, a minority, but a noisy minority of, of Apple fans who uh, just seemingly continue to see uh, just about nothing but uh, glasses half empty analysis when you know any news from Apple comes out are still finding things. I think a big thing for for that group is there is again it's a minority, but it's a vocal minority of people who just really unhappy with the Touch Bar uh, and the port situation in particular. And I think those people continue to be surprised by the fact that Apple doesn't uh, like come out and fall on their sword and say that the touch bar was a bad idea and going to all USB-C slash Thunderbolt 3 was a bad idea. And on those two things in particular, I just don't see Apple ever changing their mind on that. I think the touch bar is here to stay. And I think that Apple's not going back on its decision to go to all USB-C slash Thunderbolt 3 ports on the MacBook Pro. And I know a lot of people don't like the touch bar and a lot of people don't like the decision that Apple made on the ports, but I just don't see this being something that Apple's going to budge on. I think uh, Apple's satisfied with the touch bar and I think they really like the direction with the ports. And um, it's really interesting. Uh, one of the things that's really difficult for all of us is to to kind of get outside of our own way of thinking about things. Like a lot of times it's difficult for us to imagine that other people see things differently than we do. You know, so for example, we don't know what Apple's internal customer feedback is. I mean, Apple has the resources to 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 do a better job than any of us of finding out what their customers think of their products. And I have to think that if um, they were seeing poor customer satisfaction scores or customer sat, as Tim Cook likes to say, on those things, that they would consider going back on them. But uh, my guess is that people in general like the the new direction of the MacBook Pro. That doesn't mean that it's going to satisfy every customer. Um, but um, but I think overall they're happy with it, and I'm guessing that their customers are too. 
another thing, just talking about the negatives, and I'll jump into more of the positives. Another thing that uh, that a lot of the negatives that the um, the Apple Eors kind of had with the new MacBook Pro is that Apple didn't totally fall on the sword and just say, you know, we botched the keyboard and the MacBook Pros and the new one's going to fix it. Um, if you'll remember, one of the um, the big stories with the, the the current, you know, the updated MacBook Pros from two years ago and last year was that uh, there are a number of people who have had uh, issues with keyboard reliability of keys stopping working or sticking, um, that sort of thing. And it definitely seems like the that new uh, design that they introduced two years ago is maybe more susceptible to dust and crumbs and things like that getting in and, and causing some issues. Um, and Apple recently came out with a repair extension program, which they sometimes do. Uh, another one that, that's out there is um, back with the 2015 MacBook Pros, um, there was an issue with uh, the, the anti-glare coating on the screen kind of flaking off and looking yucky, and Apple has a repair extension program out. So Apple has had you know several Apple repair extensions for various issues over the years, and it just means that Apple's aware that a higher number of uh, cases than are uh, reasonable are out there and they have a repair extension program going out to four years of the data purchase to actually allow you to take care of that. So if you're outside of your warranty, you still have a way of getting that issue fixed. Um, however, Apple has maintained all along that it's a, a small number of customers who are having the keyboard issue. And while, again, I don't know what, I, I don't have access to the kind of statistics that Apple does on this, but just talking from my anecdotal experience, uh, to me, it really does seem like a small number of people. I've seen way more issues with that anti-glare coating issue from the 2015 MacBook Pros than I have uh, keyboard issues with the 2016 and 2017 MacBook Pros. So this has been a tempest in a teapot for that small vocal uh, minority of Apple fans who are in the glasses half full category, or the glasses half empty category, rather, um, about um, you know Apple's recent Mac decisions. Um, they're making it into a big deal, but I don't think it's the big deal that, uh, that that section of the Mac community is making it out to be. I think it really is, as Apple says, a small number of people who have had the issue. So what Apple said, they, they did go out of their way to call this a third generation keyboard, which I think is meant to indicate, you know, is, is meant to signal to people, hey, this is a new keyboard. And while they're not saying anything about it uh, having any impact on the reliability of the keyboard preventing key sticking and that sort of thing. I think it's a signal to everybody that says, Hey, this is a new keyboard. They specifically though said that it was not to address those issues. I mean, we'll see if that's really true. I wouldn't expect them to go out of their way to mention it unless they really felt that it was a bigger PR issue than, than it is. But, um, but they did specifically say that it was engineered to be quieter. And that is definitely one of the knocks on the, the uh, more recent keyboards is that they are quite loud compared to uh, previous Apple keyboards. Um, and whether or not that's an issue, I guess, depends on what your, what your, what your tastes are, because some people like the sound of noisy keyboards, but um, I'm in the camp that says quieter is definitely better. So uh, I think it's definitely a good thing that they've uh, introduced a quieter version of the keyboard. And of course, no sooner had people started to get their hands on these things than uh, I fix it. Uh, which is a, a website that, that does take aparts of, of various electronic things, including Apple computers, uh, took the keyboard apart and found that there are some, um, some new, um, I'm trying to think of the worst to say, basically some new rubber or silicone um, parts in there that uh, it's a little unclear what they do. Maybe that's part of the muffling system to keep them quieter, but, what, but a lot of people are speculating that they may also be a shield to prevent dust and things from getting in there. So, um, 
you know, regardless, I certainly hope that there are fewer of these keyboard issues. But if you've been concerned about the keyboard issue and that's prevented you from buying a new MacBook Pro over the last couple of years because you've heard some people talk about that issue, I would not at all hesitate to buy a MacBook Pro. Um, I don't think that that issue is nearly as big as some of the noisier critics in the community are trying to make it out to be. But um, regardless, this is a pretty big deal. I mean, if you think back to when that 2016 MacBook Pro was introduced, one of the main complaints was that you couldn't get 32 gigabytes of RAM in it. Um, and now you can. So now you can you can have that new uh, Intel Core i9 processor and you can have up to 32 gigabytes of RAM, up to four terabytes of internal storage on an SSD, which is insane for most of us. But uh, if you're a high-end video editor in particular and you're working out in the field with your MacBook Pro a lot, this could be a really big deal. Um, it could, it, you know, it could really prevent you from having to carry around a whole bunch of external storage with you. So that could be a big deal for those customers. Now, uh, while the, uh, the, intro, the, the, the base prices haven't gone up, you can now configure these things again with up to 32 gigabytes of Ram with the core i9 processor, uh, with up to four terabytes of internal storage. And so you can actually configure one of these guys up to about $6,700, which is a lot of money, but you have to remember that the person that's going to do that is someone who is using it as a serious uh, business expense. So, you know, this is not, that's not a configuration that most of us buying a MacBook Pro are going to go for. Um, but the nice thing is, is that even across the board, you know, you're getting a speed bump uh, to these MacBook Pros, even if you don't, you know, go for all those options to, to get it up to that price. Um, also, they've done some, some, I've seen some people do some benchmark tests on the speed of these SSDs, and it's quite possible that the SSDs and the new MacBook Pro are the fastest uh, and by quite a bit of any other laptop in the world. So that's a pretty pretty nice thing. Just being able to read-write faster uh, makes a big deal. And it's, it's definitely possible that Apple's new file system, APFS, is part of giving that speed uh, advantage. But hey, you know, a speed advantage is a speed advantage, so that's a really nice thing as well. And that new T2 chip, it's a little hard to keep track of all of different Apple's different processors, their own in-house processors these days. Of course, the MacBook Pro, the main processor that it uses is, is an Intel processor, um, whereas over on iOS, Apple does all of its own uh, uh, processors. So they've got the A-series uh, in the iPhone and the iPad. Um, you've got the, um, I believe it's the S-series in the Apple Watch. You've got the W-series uh, in Apple's AirPods. Uh, earbuds and you've got the t-series in the macbook pro and the imac pro and um you know the t uh the t2 chip and the t1 chip before it do a few things uh one is it's really the brain behind the touch bar so you have a touch bar you basically have basically essentially an apple watch um brain driving this little touch bar and that's they call that the t chip um over on um over on the Mac side, but that also has the secure enclave. So if you're using uh, Apple Pay or Touch ID, um, it's storing that in an encrypted way on that secure enclave chip. Um, and so, and also as the, the the press release mentioned, it's it's doing other things like boot security and things like that. So um, Apple continues to kind of go this interesting route of this hybrid approach where they have the Intel being the brains of the computer, but they have uh, Apple's own in-house chip doing some of the unique things and some of the security specific things uh, on there as well. So of course we all continue to wonder if Apple doesn't eventually have its sight set on uh, having its own in-house chip drive the, the heart of a Mac as well. Uh, but they certainly have encroached further and further uh, on the Mac as far as adding their own uh, in-house processor. So that's definitely, uh, definitely an interesting thing. 
Uh, and the other thing is that True Tone screen. And while that's probably in and of itself not specifically going to cause you to go out and buy these new MacBook Pros, it is really nice to see that come to the MacBook Pro. Um, the True Tone display has it started out on uh, the iPad Pro and it's now on the iPhone 10 as well. But, um, but basically what it does is um, uh, you, you have an ambient light sensor and it actually automatically kind of tunes the display color settings to, to match the, the ambient light in the room. So you always have the best, most natural looking display no matter what your lighting conditions are. And so that's now come over to the Mac as well. And uh, I saw a thing that said that um, if you have one of the LG 4K or 5K displays, and, and as a reminder, Apple no longer, or not currently anyway, makes its own Apple branded display, but they partnered up with LG to kind of co-design these LG 4K and 5K displays. Um, and um, uh, and uh, from, from what I was reading, uh, if you have one of those displays plugged in, it automatically gets the True Tone uh, color matching, uh, which is really nice. And uh, I hope that does a better job of making the LG display match the color tone of the MacBook Pro across the board, because that was uh, an issue that I had when I first started using one of the 4K displays that they had as well. Um, another interesting thing that, that Apple announced with this update um, is that they have partnered with Blackmagic to um, to kind of co-design and co-release uh, an eGPU. An eGPU, as a reminder, is the ability to have an external graphics card hooked up to one of these MacBook Pros so that you can maybe be out in the field as a video editor and you're working and collecting all the raw footage and you come back to your desk and plug it in and you have a desktop class graphics card that you're actually able to use to do all of your heavy lifting with your graphics work. And uh, this is this has been a, a something that has Apple has been uh, pursuing and has recently come into support as of High Sierra 10.13.4. And there's a whole bunch of third parties out there. And, and this can work one of two ways. You can have an external um, chassis that you just plug in an off-the-shelf graphics card, desktop graphics card into or you could have one where it's an integrated graphics card. And for better or worse, but it shouldn't surprise anyone, this Blackmagic eGPU is an integrated one. Um, but uh, it's nice to have Apple kind of have one that they specifically recommend um, because it's been kind of hard to get Apple to tell you what external GPU chassis and what card they recommend that you use. And it's kind of hard to find you know, the right thing. And, you know, if you're having an issue finding something that's compatible or that you know is going to work well, it's nice that Apple has something that they recommend and they teamed up with Blackmagic on, uh, to develop as well. So, uh, that was a nice little thing to see as well. So, you know, as I've said on this podcast before, you know, just, just to show my bias and how I think about things, I've pretty much always been, uh, ultimately positive about Apple's future. And that has, served me well over the last uh, couple decades uh, as Apple has had a, a time of unprecedented growth and success. And I continue to be very optimistic about the Mac line going forward. And uh, I think, uh, you know, again, like I said two years ago, one of the keys to Apple proving that it really is committed to the Mac is going to be for them to just continue to have year over year improvements to the Mac line. And they still have some work to do on some of the other models like the Mac Pro and the Mac Mini. But uh um, they have done a good job these last couple of years of having speed bump updates. Not only did we get a great speed bump update with the current release of the MacBook Pro as of last week, uh, but it was a pretty major thing with a lot of nice new features, uh, both hardware and software added in. So uh, I think this is awesome. I can't wait to get my hands on the new MacBook Pro and try it out in person. 
try out that keyboard, see what it feels like, uh, you know, see how fast these things perform. And uh, of course, there'll be more news to come uh, as we go forward. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Um, If you'll do me a favor, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to this and also give it a five-star review. That really helps, uh, you know, helps other people see the podcast, helps it rise up in the iTunes and Apple Podcast algorithm. Um, Got some recent episodes that you might want to go back and listen to, like my discussion about uh, Apple's recently revealed plans to completely uh, rebuild their Maps data for Apple Maps from the ground up. That's some pretty pretty interesting stuff. Um, and I've also got, if you're doing any summer traveling right now, I've got an episode, uh, a few episodes back on how I travel uh, with Apple technology and how that enhances my travel. So go back and listen to those. And I'll see you next time on Quick Take.